0: Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're glad that you're here. If you're a visitor today, we're so grateful to have you. We've got donuts and coffee in the back, and restrooms right here. And your children will come forward. Um, and you'll see in the children's sermon. And if they would like to go to the library, they'll be going with Miss Marcia to the library. Before I start with the announcements, I want to give you the opportunity to raise your hand offer prayer concerns, if you raise your hand, an usher will bring you a card. You can write a prayer concern on that card, and it will be prayed over in this service and uh, throughout this week by our prayer team. Uh, so raise your hand if you would like one of those. Uh, Katie Jeter, our children's director, is gone this week on vacation. So please try to limit your contact with her. Don't text her, don't email her, because she'll write you back. And I don't want her doing that. I want her to uh, zone out, rest, so she can come back um, full force next Sunday. Um, as I mentioned, the library is today with the children. So after the children's sermon, uh, they will be traveling to the library in the education building and be able to check out a book if they like. And um, I'm going to give you an update on the um, security of our church, what we're doing in terms of security on Sunday mornings. so the trustees um, and the staff are all going to receive a text from me every Sunday morning, and that text is simply reminding us who the trustee of the day is. We have a trustee that circles the campus all the time, always doing something and so That trustee lets us all know who it is, and then if any of us see an issue in any place in terms of security or health, if somebody has a health emergency, um, one of us on that text is to text all of us so that we all get it quickly and uh, can act. I think that's the best thing we can do uh, right now in terms of security and health for you and your family on Sunday morning. These are items from the CEP. The CEP is completely redone. We've actually changed, switched some rooms, switched some furniture. You know like when you get the furniture and you put it in this corner and they go... and then you move it to the other corner and then they see how that looks. We did a lot of that last week and the CEP is in excellent shape. Floors are brand new and they've got items here, this bookshelf, the red bed, that chair, and this stair-step deal that are priced to move. They are zero dollars. So if you would like any of those items, you can walk out the door with them. If you don't walk out the door with them, they will be placed on the street and and gone pretty soon, I believe. So good news for the week. Um, We've got a collaborative effort for Sunday nights, and I've got the Sunday night schedule. And that starts next Sunday. Um, Two major things that we've done is that we're going to feed your kids immediately. And so instead of giving them snacks throughout the night and then being hungry when they get home, they're going to be fed immediately at 5 o'clock. They're going to get um, pizza. At, uh, and then uh, in that same 30 minutes, uh, they will go to Handbell's with Cindy. At 5.30, the children will either go to Katie with Bible study or Cindy to choir, divided by age groups. Youth will remain in here at 5.30. At 6 o'clock, children will switch from Katie to Cindy and from Cindy to Katie. And youth will be combined in one class for a lesson upstairs combined. It will be the one time that all the youth are together at 6. At 6.30, Katie is going to lead Mission Kids with all the children combined. And at 7, all youth and children uh, uh, things are done. And so we wanted to line up our time so that if you had children in different areas, they would all end at the same time. Um, uh, um, Bob and Bobby McQuaid will also be teaching adult classes um, during that same amount of time. And we'll wrap up at that same amount of time to make sure that you can grab your kids and get home. So if you have any questions about that, just ask any one of our staff members. And I'm going to ask Paige to tell you about tonight.
1: So just a reminder, uh, the Parent Update Dinner and Back to School Bash are tonight from 5.30 to 7.30. So be there and um, make sure to wear, you know, your ratty clothes. You don't want to come in with, you know, Chevron on. And we're going to be playing in these nasty, mucky pools. So it should be pretty disgusting. So I'll see you guys there then.
0: What's Chevron?
2: Um, yeah.
0: Okay. This is, this is what I wear every day. All right. Let's turn our hearts towards the Lord.
2: Will you stand and worship with us?
3: Come. Now is the time to work. The time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come, just as you are before. You are the fool.
2: God we are so thankful to have the opportunity to come here together to worship you as our summer draws to a close and we are beginning to start school and end vacations and get back into the routine help us to make you a part of that routine and not to forget to put you first in our actions and our thoughts bring us together now as one and focus our hearts and our minds on you in Christ precious and holy name we pray Amen. and greet your neighbor and children come forward for the children's sermon can you scoot right there hey guys guess what today's Sunday all right so I want to ask you guys a question I need very very truthful answers have you ever said to your parents to your grandparents to your teachers that's not fair Very honest. Very, very honest. Raise your hand. Anybody? Anybody? Oh, we have got some people in front of me that have self-control. Okay. So, here's the deal. If you've said that before, Kale has not. Okay. Um, If you've said that before, I want you to assume the position that goes along with those words. So, say it. It's not fair. Now, but what do you do with your body? Oh come on! You got some arm cross. The arms cross. You got to make a face with it too. You make a grumpy face. I make a grumpy face when I say that. Oh, and I've got I've got this right here. I furrow this together, and Greg calls that my elevens. <laughs> That's not fair. Okay just going to tell a true story. Bailey might even add like a foot stomp in there. Just saying. Okay. So, most of you have said that. I'm going to promise you that most of the adults out in the audience have too. Okay? So, um, but let's take a deep breath. Take a deep breath from your belly. We need to let all of that go. Okay? Because that's where my notes end. Um, um, No, because because parents have said that too. And do you know what? Sometimes we say that and we really mean I'm not being treated the same way as the person next to me, or I'm not getting the same thing as the person next to me. Is that what you mean sometimes when you say that? Ava means that all the time. Okay, so I want everybody to think in their head of a boo-boo. It could be you have a cold, you have the flu, the stomach flu you're throwing up. You have a fever. fever Hattie has a boo-boo right there. Okay, so think in your head. It could be a scratch. It could be a broken arm. Okay, think about it in your head. Okay, raise your hand if you've got it in your head. Jackson, what's your boo-boo? just a pretend boo-boo. It doesn't have to be for real. Jackson has the flu. Kale, what do you have? What's going on? What's your pretend boo-boo? A scrape. Emma, what do you have? Emma's got an arm boo-boo. Ryan, a scrape. Anybody have a broken arm and their pretend boo-boo? Ava? broken leg okay all right so here's the thing are you ready okay bear with me here i am going to be fair to everybody and take care of your boo-boos okay Everybody the same way. We are fair. We're taking care nope, it's gotta be on your hand. Because I gotta do the same thing for everybody, okay? All right, here we go. All right. Okay, good job. Okay. I treated everybody the same way, we are fair. But did that take care of your your flu, Jackson? Did that take care of your flu? The band-aid on your right hand took care of the flu. Alright, did that take care of your hurt arm, Emma? The band-aid on your arm? It did? Oh man, you guys aren't rolling with me here. Alright. I am treating you guys the same way, and I'm being fair, and I'm giving you a band-aid in the same spot. But that's not what you really needed, right? Right? I'm going to tell you a secret. Your parents and your grandparents and your family, you may not get the same treatment as your siblings or your friends, but you know what? You're loved the same way. Sometimes we may not need the same things, and sometimes we may think we need the same things, but... Your parents and your loved ones take care of you the way that you need to be taken care of. And guess what? Oh my goodness, it was a big metaphor. Do you know what metaphor means? A picture that looks like what you're trying to learn about? That's a really bad example. I'm not a teacher, but here's the deal. A metaphor is just a way of describing the same thing in a different way. Okay? And that's the way God loves us. Sometimes we don't get the same things but he loves us all the same way. Isn't that cool? All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for the air in our lungs. And let us have fun. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, Miss Marsha is going to take you guys back to the library if you want to go to the library. If you have any books with your parents that you're taking back, swing by your parents or your grandparents and pick them up, okay? Miss Marcia's standing right there in the back. Follow her and it's library day.
0: Turn to God in prayer. I'll have you uh, remember Ricky Wilson um, with a friend battling cancer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray to you in so many different ways, sometimes in uh, friendly ways, sometimes seeking instruction, sometimes as a magic genie wanting you to grant us whatever wish we may have. Sometimes in serious fear in test results, sometimes prior to test results, sometimes in relationships or the joining together of relationship, we pray because we know that you are listening. Hear our prayer this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. This time of year, most American sports fans are turning towards football. Most people in this region are turning towards college football, and I do that too and uh, when we were on vacation I bought uh, two magazines and read them and I don't read them like just kind of casually reading like I read them like a total nerd and underline a bunch of stuff and try to memorize who's doing what and where they've moved and what they're doing. It's, um, it's the way that I operate and work so it's the only way I can not think about work is to do the same things I do at work but to just, folk, just redirect them towards football but this is also an amazing time for baseball and I keep my eye on it and one of my favorite series in the fall was in 2004. In 2004 the Red Sox and the Yankees were playing for the right to go to the World Series. In a best of seven series you've got to win four and you're going to the World Series and the Yankees had won three. The Yankees had also crushed the Red Sox souls for about 86 years in 2004. Um, Just prior to that something like 1919 Uh, The Red Sox owner wanted to finance his uh, play on Broadway, and so he traded Babe Ruth to the Yankees. And sometime after that, the Yankees won something like 27 World Series, and the Red Sox won zero. And that night, Red Sox fans were, uh, Fox did this amazing job of really keying in on particular fans. And what would you say the posture was of those particular fans in game four when they were down by three games? I like this. Now um, if, we could, if we could really crack into what they were feeling, there's, um, oh, please just, you know, just one game, don't let us get swept. Um, please let us lose so that this will be over and we don't have to suffer through three more games. Uh, uh, please, let's just get a hit, you know, what, whatever. And Fox would just, you know, there's all kinds of time in baseball in between plays. And they'd just be panning on fans. And the Red Sox won game one, or game four, 3 1. Then they won game five, it's 3 2. Then they won game six in Yankee Stadium, it's 3 3. Then they played game seven in Yankee Stadium. And It wasn't just Red Sox fans like this anymore. Who else was doing it? Yankees fans. So Red Sox fans are like, um, okay, so I know that I told you that I would do whatever you wanted if you just gave us game four. But now it's game seven. And I would love to not have prayed to this point and followed the Red Sox to not lose in crushing fashion like we did last year when the Red Sox pitcher was left in too long and then he gave up a home run and then we were done. And Yankee fans are praying, um, okay, so I know that we have 27 world championships, but if you could not let us lose a 3-0 lead, the first team to ever do that in history, and be goats, both fans and Fox is just killing it, getting to Red Sox fans, Yankee fans, Red Sox. mm. Here's a question. Does God impact outcomes? Okay, so I, I would say that's a somewhat silly example, but it's not a silly example to some very serious fans. But, it, you know, in terms of the greater human needs, sports is sort of a silly example. So does God impact outcomes? When, when you pray that you can make it to a meeting when you're late, uh, when you are having a wedding outdoors and you've planned it for 13 months and clouds are gathering and you're praying, can, mm, can we please just have 40 minutes? I did. I, I lived in um, Charleston, Mount Pleasant, in ministry for seven years. 80% of the weddings are outdoors. 90% of the wedding in Charleston is volatile. It, who knows what's going to happen when you have that outdoor wedding. Could you please let these mosquitoes go away for 30 minutes is the prayer. Could you give us a breeze off the water? It's 110 degrees. Everybody wants to get married outdoors in Charleston. Whether you make it to your meeting when you're late, whether it rains when there's a wedding that's outdoors, whether you get a positive report on your medical test, does God impact outcomes is the question that needs to be asked when we're praying for such. So let's look at Luke 22, verse 39. Jesus left and made his way to the Mount of Olives, and as was his custom... I'm sorry, as was his custom, and the disciples followed him. When he arrived, he said to them, Pray that you won't get in to temptation. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed. So, we set this up. Um, we're talking about prayer in the chapter 2 in the Y book. And we're looking at a text at the very end of Luke in which Jesus is just on the outside of the walls before he goes into Jerusalem. So, um, he says, pray that you're not weak for the next 15, 20 minutes. What kind of human temptations would there be? Well, the best indicator of future success is what? Past performance. That's the number one. Unless any sort of instance has changed, unless you've had some sort of um, motivation or education or whatever, the best indicator of what's going to happen is what has happened with an individual or a group of people. So Jesus knows there are very difficult times coming on the other side of that wall because they're going into the heart of the place that has suggested that he is not, not, not only is he not in the name of God, he's against God. For him to say the things that he's saying about himself, for a human being to say that, is not only not the Son of God material, it's against God entirely. He is of the devil, that's what they're saying. And the Romans don't necessarily care, but for everything just to be normal, and for taxes to be collected, And so, if you've got a group of people who are just doing what the Romans tell them to do and are hostile to you and say to the Romans, hey, we'll keep being friendly to you and we'll keep collecting your taxes if you'll eliminate this threat, that's the environment that they're walking into in Jerusalem. He knows the full potential of evil of humanity, Jesus does. He knows the fear that resides in the hearts of his disciples. And with those two factors, he knows that there is serious trouble. Potentially for him and his people. So I've had the great fortune of visiting Israel on two occasions. There's um, you know three entirely different settings. One is the rolling uh, green hills and water of Galilee, where 85% of his ministry was. It's beautiful. most beautiful lake you've ever seen It's a little bit higher, and you're at the Sea of Galilee. It's amazing. Then there is the barren desert of um, the Dead Sea, down where John the Baptist was starting what he was doing, down where um, uh, uh, Joshua brought the people over into Jericho and conquered Jericho, and the Dead Sea, and you just look around, it's like, there's nothing here. How is that tree surviving here on its own? And then the third image is Jerusalem, which is just on top of itself, and is modern, has lots of modern things, but is Ancient. You know, like you think, I'm going to the Holy Land. I'm going to Jerusalem. This is going to be amazing. And people honk their horns just like they do in Atlanta. They're mad just like, just like people are in Atlanta. and want you to move over. and want you to get out of the way. But when you go to Jerusalem, um, the hills are just, I mean, it's just bang, you know, up and down, up and down. And when we were walking down to the Mount of Olives where this setting has taken place, you're going from a vantage point of looking out of the entire ancient city, And you're going down a road that's just pretty much straight. It's it's steep enough that as a young person, I was watching my footing and winding down, 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 down to the valley that looks up at Jerusalem. And you're sitting there amongst ancient trees and you're thinking this is in the neighborhood of where he was looking up at that wall and knowing what was on the other side of that wall. Jesus said in verse 42, Father, if it is your will, take this cup of suffering away from me. How many times have we prayed that prayer? Of some sort or another. Um, I know that I'm a human being and I know that I have a frail body and I know that I'm sick, but I really wish you could take it. I know that I've signed up to do this thing and I know that I'm a leader in this thing. It scares me to death and I wish you could take it from me. Whatever it may be, this burden is a little bit much for me. And if you could take it, that would be great. The thing that should give you comfort in that moment is that Jesus did that exact same thing. That should also give you a sense of Jesus's humanity. Some people say, "Well, the Son of God. I don't know if he felt that much pain. I don't know if he went through it like I go, like we humans go through it." In that moment, he said, "If you could take it away from me." That would be really helpful. So here's your first quote of the day from um, the book Why by Adam Hamilton. Many people struggle with their faith because of God's silence and apparent impotence when they cry out to Him in their time of greatest need. What makes these unanswered prayers even more disturbing is the fact that some Christians claim that God regularly answers their prayers. So in so many cases, when someone frequently talks about answered prayer, they just have an attitude of being... Uh, well, it's an attitude of gratitude. <laughs> we me talk about that with the kids. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, uh, a, a way of living that is constantly thankful. What's tough for a person who has prayed that their illness or the illness of their loved one or their child or whomever may be taken away when someone says I was late to the meeting and I prayed that God would get me through and I got there and God got me through and that person who prayed that their cancer of their child may be taken away here's that and their child's cancer wasn't taken away then they think well uh, what is there something that you did or is there something that I didn't do or is there something that I did do That made God block this joy of of help and answering my prayer from me. Does that make sense? It's tough. Scripture continues. Jesus says, However, not my will, but your will must be done. Then a heavenly angel appeared to him and strengthened him. He was in anguish and prayed even more earnestly. His sweat became like drops of blood falling on the ground. So um, if you all have been in the traditional worship space, which will obviously be on the 5th Sunday, because we're gathering together on the 5th Sunday in the traditional worship space, you all remember that, right? Base churches, many times, if they have stained glass in the centerpiece, it's one of two pictures. One picture is the one that we have, which is Jesus holding a lamb like this. And, uh, you know, there's tons of images of lamb, both uh, um, sacrifice of the lamb and y'all are, the, you were like a children, uh, you're, you are like my children, like a lamb, he's holding it. Y'all know what the other major one is? Yes, it's, um, it's Jesus on a rock, just looking up in the, in the clouds, just as dark as it could be, looking up in deep sadness and anguish. So it's interesting, those two different models, which one you decide you want to be the focal point of your traditional space. Do you want Jesus holding the lamb in sort of a comforting image? Or do you want Jesus in anguish praying out to God? And that image is this text. I think it's fascinating which one churches choose. And who who knows who was on the committee that chose it. Whatever. So, okay, so a couple interesting parts of this text. Something I honestly didn't notice before. Um... An angel came and strengthened him. That's only found in Luke. Mark doesn't talk about it. Matthew doesn't talk about it. John doesn't talk about it. Luke is the only one that mentions this. That an angel came and strengthened him. If you reflect back on a time when he was in the desert for 40 days and was tempted, did he have any food? No. Nope. Did he have any water? Nope. Did he have any angels? Nope. The only thing that was there was uh, the devil tempting him. When did the angels attend him? After. What's interesting is this is before. Before he goes through the trial, the angels are there and strengthen him. But the angel doesn't stop it. The angel doesn't say, okay, now we don't even have to do this. It just strengthens him, picks him up and says, you're going to have to go. You're going to have to go there. And so, um, here's a long quote. I'll I'll break it down. I suggest that Jesus' hearers understood that Jesus was speaking hyperbolically when he said, whatever you ask for in prayer with faith, you will receive. They did not think that he was suggesting that they could pray for wealth and habit or that they could pray for the Romans to leave and they would be gone. They did not think that he was saying, pray for world peace and it would instantly happen. Or that if they only prayed with the faith of their problems, challenges, disappointments, and illnesses, would magically disappear or be resolved. I think they understood that Jesus was saying, go to God with your burdens. Be bold when you pray. Trust that God hears your prayers. And in ways you don't fully understand, God will see you through the situation that you face. So it would be interesting if we could take a poll somehow. I'll find a way to do it of is it more comforting to you to hear this text and to hear that God will not intercede in situations in which you're going through great trial because you've been through great trial and now you know that God didn't abandon you? Or is it more frightening that God will not spare you from instances of trial that are in this human life? I would probably guess it has to do with whether you've been through something or not. If you've been through something and you've wondered, does God even care? Is God even present? I'd like you to hear this text, hear these quotes, read this text, understand what Jesus went through, and know that intense illness, sick, uh, uh, loss, devastation, in no way, shape, or form means the absence of God. Instead, it's an opportunity to turn to God and to pray boldly for help for aid verse 45 when he got up for praying he went to his disciples he found them asleep overcome by grief he said to them why are you sleeping get up and pray so that you won't give in to temptation so he said to his disciples if y'all will go over here and just pray and make sure that you don't give in to human temptation I'm gonna go over here and pray by myself he went over here and prayed by himself and said, if you could spare me from this, but your will be done. And then he went back over and the guys were napping. Now, you could make fun of them for sleeping. Or you could say, "Um, I bet they're ragged. I bet they're ragged as they could be. And he's saying to them in what had to be a broken voice, I need you to pray now. So, he's not spared from it. They're not spared from it but they're praying boldly to God to be helped to, be, get, to get through it, to understand it. So here's your third quote. God does not always answer our prayers even when we offer those prayers in faith at times of real and pressing need. They also teach us that while God may not answer our prayers as we pray them, God does not abandon us more than that, these accounts tell us that God works through the situations from which we have not been delivered as we asked. Now, I want, to, I want to be clear, and I think Adam would suggest it too. I know that it gives us comfort sometimes to say, well, it's what God wanted. But well, we talked last week and the week before that about would a parent want a child to go through pain? Could, if they could spare them would a, chair, would a parent want a child to go through pain? Not very likely. And so I don't think that God desires that we go through pain to teach us a lesson or to punish us. I think this human life is full of painful things in which some can, God can intervene and some, they play out. And so when he says um, God will use those situations... I think it has to do with all of us surrounding that individual. The will of God is the human being surrounding the person, praying for them, lifting them up, supporting them, and showing them every way possible how much God loves them. And here's the last quote of the day. This has led me to conclude that God's customary way of working in our lives is through what appears to be ordinary means. Rather than suspending the laws of nature that God created and bypassing the human beings God created to do God's work, God typically works through the natural laws and through what? People. So he has a funny quote in there that um, what if God granted every single thing that we ever asked for? What would that world look like? If uh, five different... Men prayed to God that they could have a particular woman as their wife. How does that work? Right? If we prayed that we could have all the money we wanted, if we prayed we could have the car we wanted, if we prayed we had the house we wanted, prayed we had the help that we wanted, everybody prayed all that, and we all got everything we wanted. It could get really to a really twisted state with humanity. But answered prayers in so many cases, come in the form of human response to our loved ones, to our co-workers, to our fellow church members. So, I think it's important that we pray boldly that we may be healed, that we pray boldly that we may receive a position, that we pray boldly that our church may be um, vital in this community, and I think it's important that we have great patience. And that we bring about many of those things by our actions and our words. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so uh, grateful for your listening ear. And as we pray impatiently just before an event, remind us that your will is so most often carried out by the human beings in our actions and our words. Help us to pray boldly in everything that we do. Help us to understand that there are elements of this life in which we may not be delivered. Help us understand that we have fragile bodies that can be harmed and that people around us will will make poor decisions that impact our lives. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in these moments of trial, both to ourselves, to our family, and to our loved ones. Amen. If you'll stand and join me in our affirmation. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God, who has created and is creating. the word Who's come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new. Who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus, crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life and death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You'll be seated, and we'll have the ushers come forward to collect our offering.
3: How to fix The things I'm dealing with I'm in a desperate place I need to share the way But I just don't know Out. but you've been calling out, let the days go by, as if I could live without, it's gotta be here now, I won't be pulled away, it's just it's you and I, so let the world
1: Pray Sing with us. said amen
3: If you're rich or poor
0: boldly, knowing that God is listening, knowing at times that God can change it all together, knowing at times there's nothing that can be changed but His presence is there. Pray that you may be the hands and feet of the people in this world who need you so desperately to proclaim the Word of God.
3: Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs? the stairs That just because he doesn't answer Doesn't mean he don't care Some of God's greatest gifts Are unanswered Some of God's greatest gifts Are all too often unanswered greatest skill around in surprise
2: have a blessed week